Hey, this is Russ DeVos, former pastor, church planter, sales rep, and wrestling coach, and serving currently as a men's spiritual and personal productivity coach. And I want to welcome you to The Wrestling Room, a podcast where we open the Bible and tackle head-on the challenging issues that you and I wrestle with every day. Always asking and answering the most important question, what does God have to say about this? So join me now as we jump into the scripture. Welcome back to The Wrestling Room. My name is Russ DeVos, and today we're going to initiate what I call, What Does the Bible Say? And this is simply a question and answer time where I take frequently asked Bible questions, or really any questions that you might have, because the Bible addresses every aspect of our lives, and then open the scripture and simply ask, what does the Bible say about it? And so we're going to initiate this Q&A session with a, a question that likely you've asked. And likely people around you are asking this question, very relevant for today, and it's simply this. Why do evil people get away with doing terrible things? Have you asked that question? I certainly have pondered that question myself. And to answer that question, we are going to go to Psalm 73. Now, Psalm 73 was written by Asaph. Now, who is Asaph? Asaph, first of all, wrote 12 chapters in the book of Psalms, but he was the premier worship leader of Israel. He was a spiritual pillar in the nation of Israel. And Asaph was the Chris Tomlin, the Phil Wickham of his day, but he's going through a spiritual crisis. And Psalm 73 is his candid, open, and honest accounting of this crisis. And so we're going to walk through this because it answers the question, why do evil people get away with doing terrible things? And I would ask the question, do they get away with doing terrible things? Is that actually the case? And so dive in with me, uh, Psalm 73, starting in verse 1, and let's walk right through this chapter, and I'm going to bear out some important points as we go through it. Asaph writes, Truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone. In other words, he was halfway out the door, leaving the faith. Maybe you know somebody like this. Maybe you're contemplating, is this really true? And you're asking yourself this same question. Listen, I'm watching evil all around me. They seem to be getting away with it. And so Asaph was having this crisis. In verse 3, it, it specifies the issue. He says, For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. But in verses 4 through 11, we see he begins to calculate. He didn't come to this decision all at once. He had been watching and observing the wicked, and here's what he saw. So in verses 4 through 11, we have Asaph's calculations, not only his crisis, but his calculations. Here's what he says. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong, and they don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil. In their pride, they seem to crush others. They boast against the very heavens, and their words strut throughout the earth. And so the people, the commoners, are dismayed and confused, drinking in all, their, all of their words. What does God know, they ask. 
Does the Most High even know what's happening? Total mockery of God. Look at these wicked people, he concludes, enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. So Asaph's calculations, let's just review them. Number one, they live pain-free lives. They're healthy and strong. They have no troubles. They have no problems. They have everything that they could possibly want. They're arrogant and cruel and treat people like so much garbage. They mock God and virtually see themselves as little gods themselves. And they hold, at the end of the day, incredible sway and influence over the people. And so Asaph is watching this and calculating this. And interestingly enough, in verse 4, he starts with, they seem to live pain-free lives. Keep that in mind. We're going to come back to that in a second. So Asaph calculates all of this, and he comes to two conclusions, verses 12 and 14. 12 says this, look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. So his first conclusion is this, the wicked live like hell, but they essentially get heaven on earth. Instead of suffering because of their sin, it seems that money actually grows on trees. They live a life of ease. They have every privilege that they could imagine. So conclusion number one. <laughs> but then conclusion number two, he looks at his own life. And in verses 13 and 14, he says, Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. So he looks at their life, their heaven on earth, while they're in the middle of crushing people, mocking God, and he looks at his own life. He's the worship leader of Israel, a spiritual pillar, a man of God. And he says, all I see is pain and suffering in my own life. I do the right things, and I get nothing but hardship. And he, he concludes, I have no advantages in life. In fact, I'm not sure that it's worth following God. This is a major crisis. And if, if you're anything like Asaph, you've probably been there at some point. So in verses 15 and 16, we see Asaph's consternation. What does that mean, consternation? It means panic or dismay that throws one into confusion and disorientation. And what we have here is a man of God who is spiritually disoriented, spiritually confused. And he says this in verse 16, 15. If I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. In other words, he says, I can't talk to anybody about this. If I were to, to bring this up in public, it would be a scandal. So what does he do instead? He internalizes it, verse 16. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper. In other words, I kept perseverating. I kept pondering. I kept running the numbers and calculating the numbers. But what a difficult task it is. That word in Hebrew means this is painful. He kept coming to a conclusion that was at such odds with his faith. Thus, one foot out the door. But in verses 17 through 20, we have Asaph's clarity. And here's where we answer the question that is on the table. Verse 17, it says this. Then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny, the future of the wicked. 
Brothers and sisters, it is so easy to make decisions and come to conclusions based on a tiny bit of knowledge that you have right now. That is why scripture says, in all your ways, look to him, acknowledge him, do not lean on your own understanding. The Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. If we make our decisions and come to our conclusions based on what we see, we're going to be wrong virtually every time. Our sight is so clouded. We see in such a limited manner. God sees everything from the big picture. So God takes him into the sanctuary. That literally means the holy place and opens his eyes and shows him what is really going on. And brothers and sisters, listen. Just a plug for your own time with the Lord. Where is your sanctuary? Where is your holy place? Where is it that you go frequently, often, to meet with God so that he can clean your eyesight, show you the bigger picture? You've got to have your sanctuary. For me, it's my office. For me, it's St. Mark's Catholic Church. This is right up the road. I'm not a Catholic, but I love this church. Most of the time, it's empty during the day, and I'll go in there and walk and pray, and it's silent, it's beautiful, and it's as if God himself, his presence is there, and he speaks to me, and he shows me things that I, have, I don't see anywhere else. So God brought Asaph. Asaph, no doubt, went into this place and he met with God, and God came to him, and let's see what God showed him, because God gave him the bigger picture about this question. Do evil people get away with their wickedness? And here's what the Lord showed Asaph. He says, then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood why, uh, the, I finally understood the destiny of the wicked, their future. Here's what he says, verse 18. Truly, you put them on a slippery path. The Lord showed him five specific things, and I'm going to bear those out right now. This is the real picture of the life of the wicked. He says, you put them on a slippery path. Number one, the life of the wicked, the destiny of the wicked, is instability. Instability characterizes their lives. Slippery places. It says, you put them... On a slippery path, that is a life of instability. That word literally in the Hebrew means flattery or smooth talking. What does that mean? In the lives of the wicked, there is no value for truth. So in the atmosphere, the lives of a wicked person, you have insincerity, you have double talk, you have flattery, you have smooth talking, but you never know what the truth really is. You live in a slippery place. There's no stability to it. Now, there was a YouTube episode that came out yesterday. Uh, it is Russell Brand's YouTube channel, and it was entitled, Billionaires Are Miserable, Therapist Reveals Truth About the Super Rich. I want you to hear this. Clay Cockrell is a therapist to the super rich, and he writes this. And this so uh, substantiates what Asaph saw in this passage. Here's what he writes. Over the years, I have developed a great deal of empathy for those who have far too much. What could possibly be challenging about being a billionaire, you might ask? Well, what would it be like if you couldn't trust those close to you? 
or if you looked at any new person in your life with deep suspicion. I hear this from my clients all the time. What do they want from me? Or how are they going to manipulate me? Or they are probably only friends with me because of my money. Brothers and sisters, that is a slippery place. That is a place of instability. But number two, the wicked, the destiny of the wicked is barrenness. Barrenness. Listen, <laughs> listen what it says uh, as we go on. You send them sliding over the cliff to destruction, verse 18. The second part of verse 18. You send them over the cliff to destruction. That word destruction there means lifelessness, barrenness, joylessness, gloom, waste, and ultimately ruin. <laughs> Friends, that is the destiny. That is the future of the wicked. Those who you may think are getting away with their evil. <laughs> Clay goes on to write, then there are the struggles with purpose, the depression that sets in when you feel like you have no reason to get out of bed. Why bother going to work when the business you've built or inherited runs itself without you now? If all your necessities and much more are covered for the rest of your life, you might struggle with a lack of meaning and ambition too. And you'll find with people, particularly those with great wealth, they live lives that are barren, lifeless. So barrenness is the second characteristic that God showed Asaph. Their lives aren't filled. Their lives are barren. Number three, astonishment or horrified shock. Look in verse 19. It says, in an instant, they are destroyed. That phrase paints the picture of absolute horrified shock. They have lived lives that have been so pampered and, and they've done whatever they've wanted to do. <laughs> Life has been their playground. People have been their playthings. They've manipulated and used and abused people and manipulated their way through life. But all of a sudden, <laughs> their worst possible case scenario is playing out. Life is coming to an end. Yes, it is happening. And they see their whole world crashing down upon them. They thought they were bulletproof. They thought they were little gods. Somewhere in the delusion of their mind, they thought they could live forever. And this horrified shock, in an instant, they are destroyed. Brothers and sisters, just talking about this, just reading this, just sends a shockwave through me. But he goes on to say at the, the second half of verse 19, Terror is the fourth characteristic. In an instant, they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. What is terror? Terror is the deepest possible dread just before the final moment of doom. <laughs> the deepest possible dread just before the final moment of doom. Friends and neighbors, listen. The wicked may seem to be getting away with their sin, but they have terror coming. But number five is probably the most terrifying. Verse 20. When you arise, O Lord, you will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at dreams 
in the morning. In the New American Standard Bible, it says this, Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when aroused, you will despise their form. That word, you will laugh at their silly ideas. You will despise their form. It literally means you will hold them in contempt. You will view them as morally vile and worthless. Friends, listen. Jesus will say to many on the day of judgment, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, you who practice lawlessness. Those will be some of the most terrifying words that a person can ever hear. And the wicked in this psalm will hear those words from God himself. Hebrews 10.31 says this, it is a fearful, another version says it is an awesome thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So you have not only Asaph's crisis, not only his calculations, not only his conclusions, but now his clarity. His clarity. He sees what the destiny, the future of the wicked is. And here's where he goes. Verse 21, 22. You see Asaph's contrition. He says this, then I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. He realized, he realizes I was so far away from the truth. His heart is repentant over the fact that he had characterized God in such a gross manner, thinking that he would allow the evil to get away with their wickedness. He has contrition, remorse in his heart, sorrow in his heart. But then we have in verses 20 through 26, Asaph's confidence. And let this encourage you, brothers and sisters, because despite the fact that he was wavering, that he was doubting, that he was questioning, God had never left him. Here's what he says. Yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. Talk about stability as opposed to the slippery places of the wicked, God holds our right hand. Brothers and sisters, that is stability. Then he goes on to say, you guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Polar opposite of what was going on with the wicked. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. Friends, when we see the true destiny of those who are denying God, despising God, mocking God, and then we see our own destiny. We could easily be those people ourselves, but God has saved us by, our, by his grace. We say with Asaph, whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. Then he says, 26, my health may fail, my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Brothers and sisters, long after the memory of the evil has faded into oblivion, God will still remain. We will remain with him. And then we have finally Asaph's capstone, his final word, his finishing declaration in verses 27 and 28. He says this, those who desert him will perish. For you destroy those who abandon you. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. 
I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things that you do. I will tell everyone about the wonderful things that you do. Brothers and sisters, do the evil get away with their wickedness. I believe we can say from this passage, absolutely not. Nobody gets away with anything. The eyes of the Lord see everything and he is just, he is righteous, he will judge. My encouragement is put your faith in him. Put your trust in him if you haven't already. If you have, cling to him. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, in everything you do, you look to him. Let him direct your paths. You can't trust your own, your own vision. You can't trust your own perception. You can't trust your own insight. It will lead you astray. It will lead you into bitterness. It will lead you into doubt. But there's a God who's faithful, who will walk with you, who will train and teach you through those times, and you can come out the other side more in love with the God who gave his life for us than you were before. These trials cannot... They, they can make us bitter or they can make us better. So I hope this has helped you. This is what the Bible says. You can take it to the bank. God bless you. We'll see you during the next edition of What Does the Bible Say? See you later. Hi friends, Russ here again. And I wanted to let you know that Catalyst Ministries and The Wrestling Room is a registered 501c3 nonprofit. So if you'd like to support this ministry, you are welcome to click on the link just below in the comments section, or you can go to my YouTube homepage, The Wrestling Room, and click on the button, support this ministry. Thank you so much and God bless you guys. Thanks for joining me this week in the wrestling room. If you were blessed and challenged by this teaching, please support us by sharing with family and friends and leaving a rating and review. That would be so helpful. Also make sure to visit my website, The Catalyst at www.catalystcoachinghq.com to learn about my program for men called Foundations 101. I am literally watching men's spiritual lives, personal lives, their marriages and families completely turn around as they go through this program. I'd love for you to check it out. That was www.catalystcoachinghq.com. Finally, if you'd like to watch these messages in video, you can check out my YouTube channel by entering The Wrestling Room in the YouTube search bar. Again, thanks so much for joining me today in The Wrestling Room. We'll see you in the next episode.